I'm glad I'm not Sean McVeigh's girlfriend right now because <laughs> she's getting nothing. She's making a nice supper and he's taking it to the den. Sorry, honey, I got work. <laughs> Week number seven in the National Football League as we welcome you to this 408th episode of Unscripted. Mike and Chris with you. Hope everything is well in your little corner of the world. Um, We're going to get to our Sunday picks, but I have to say this. There have been a lot of people that have been sending me negative notes this week about the Detroit Green Bay game last week. And while I agree with you totally that the second hands to the face was a huge error by the officiating crew, and yes, we benefited from it. But here's where I have a problem. We gave you three turnovers in the football game, blatant mistakes. We had how many drops of the football in regard to passes by, more specifically in the end zone, Jimmy Graham and Aaron Jones. So you had plenty of opportunity, Detroit fans, to seize the opportunity, and thank God you had Matt Prater to hit five freaking field goals. So... You had your chances to win. Green Bay's defense was much better, especially against the run. Excuse me. Partially, Detroit doesn't have much of a run game. So, I mean, it isn't like you're facing Minnesota or a team with a legitimate run game. But Dean Lowry looked much better. But what I'm saying is, before you poo-poo the refs, because there are problems in refereeing, and we'll talk about that in later episodes of the program, there are bigger problems. And I have a new theory as to the current biggest problem of officiating in the National Football League, but Detroit had opportunities to put Green Bay away, and they didn't do it. So that's all I'm going to say. Green Bay had some had some help from the Zebras at the end, no question. No question. I'm not saying that. The pass interference on number 11, I can't remember his name, for Detroit. Uh, Will Redmond got him across. and, and uh, Egregious pass interference. We got away with one there. I mean, I get it, but Detroit had their chances to put the game away. Let's get to Sunday's game. Um, first one, geez, how is this every week after I go off on a tangent about the Packers, the first game to talk about is Oakland at Green Bay. Um, the Packers have been home for a long time. Um, this is their last before they start hitting the road. Um, Green Bay comes into this one as five-point favorites. It doesn't look like we're going to have any (laughs) real healthy wide receivers. Most of the guys that are going to play are guys you've never heard of before, except maybe now Alan Lazard from last week in the fourth quarter. What took took them so long to get number 13 in the game? Uh, Geronimo Allison is not a big loss, sports fans. He has become a liability with his hands. I don't think, I mean, you never want to see anybody get hurt. I'm not saying that, but... Maybe if he gets healthy and gets his head clear, literally, he's still in the concussion protocol. I don't mean that as a shot, but I'm just saying uh, we would miss MVS. But regardless, people are playing well for Oakland and John Gruden. The Raiders have done very, very well so far this year under trying circumstances. Um, We had thought that this road trip from hell would already pretty much eliminate them from the AFC West Division Championship, and here they are at 3-2, and two, and they've beaten the Bears in London, and uh, they're playing a lot better. They beat Indianapolis 
in Indianapolis. So congratulations to them. I can't name anybody on their team pretty much except the running back and, of course, Derek Carr, the quarterback, but they're playing well. And uh, the Packers on this line I have as five-point favorites. Uh, the end of a long homestand, I think the Packers learned a few things, especially if they need to hang on to the football after what happened against Detroit. They were lucky to escape. For those reasons, I have the Packers both ways, uh, straight up and against the spread. Well, uh, I'm going to slightly disagree with that All because right. I'm, I mean, I still have the Packers to win the Super Bowl, and we said they had to make the most of this, uh, you know, home heavy schedule, and they have at five and one. So that's pretty good. They're only lost on a Thursday, which Thursday games need to be abolished, of course. So <laughs> undefeated on Sundays and Mondays, the Green Bay Packers, or any day but Thursday for that matter. But uh, I just wanted to share one quick tweet to close off your whole Detroit uh, game uh, talk there which was Andy Nesbitt at A Nesbitt. Uh, and he says, the refs should have done the Lambo leap after that one, <laughs> <laughs> which is actually a pretty funny visual. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, that was, that's a tough game. The thing is, and we'll get into this in a bit with the Detroit game, but the Detroit Lions are 2-2-1, two, two, and one, and they are a hair from 5-0. and oh. Correct. Yeah, they are so close to five and zero, and they're two two and one, yeah. which leads to some great betting opportunities on them. So I'll just say that much, and I think you agree with me on that. Absolutely, part, right. So in this game, though, yeah, the whole receiving core down. Alan Lazard is this week's fantasy darling pickup. I picked him up in my work league. I don't know if I'm going to start him, but when uh, the whole receiving core is out, Devonte Adams is out. Uh, Geronimo Allison was this morning upgraded from doubtful to questionable. Oh, really? Yeah, and MVS is still questionable. But yeah, Deron Allison, I think he's better off. I think the team's better off without him. He was so sure-handed yeah. in past years, and it's just like the opposite person now. Exactly um, right. Yeah, and so I don't know what happened to that guy. Uh, we we might see an appearance from him in Free Forum Friday with some old tweets that were dug up on Geronimo Allison uh, talking about his manhood and <laughs> and but on the field he hasn't shown a lot of manhood he's really sucked and i've been disappointed in him so i'm going to take green bay outright but the spread's too big especially since we put our bets in at five and it continues to plummet because i guess the sharps are on oakland so i'll take oakland with the points sounds good um let's go next to i i would have to put these both of these teams in so far into the season kind of a disappointment in regard to, and I would think both of them would tell you that it's been a disappointing start to the season, especially for the Atlanta Falcons. But I think the LA Rams would tell you that it's been a disappointing coming off of a Super Bowl appearance. Um, the Rams travel east; they play Atlanta, which has got to be one of the biggest disappointments in the NFL this season. I think Gus Bradley is close to getting his walking papers. Anytime the owner says, "I believe in my coaching staff," that's the kiss of death, man. <laughs> you can start putting. You, Mrs. Bradley should start calling realtors in the greater Atlanta area because that usually means your husband is about to get fired. Um, the Rams are the road favorites here. The Rams come in as three-point favorites um, for a lot of different reasons. I just think right now the Rams, as bad as Atlanta needs a win, I think the Rams need a win right now. And I think they're better equipped to get it right now than the Atlanta Falcons. I don't care where you're playing Atlanta right now. I think you're going to be favored to win. And... Um, 
Having said that, I have the Rams both ways in this football game. This is an easy pick. Don't get confused by recency bias and an unlucky missed field goal to lose to the Seahawks and whatever else and whatever last week's debacle was and the Tampa debacle. Atlanta is a terrible, terrible football team, and I'm glad I'm not Sean McVay's girlfriend right now <laughs> because she's getting nothing at all. No tent like she like he's taken he she's making a nice supper and he's taking it to the den. Sorry, honey, I got work. Like, you know, like there is not much going on in the McVeigh household right, right now. Right. Right. He is all, like I mean, I think Sean McVeigh is all the way in and totally focused whenever he's preparing for any game. But after a, a three game losing streak, which by the way, coming in to this hapless franchise, he has never had a three game losing streak before with the Rams in his time there, which is amazing based on what he had to work with before that and how they were, you know, five wins max every year. So uh, he is going to be prepared for this game. Uh, Todd Gurley is going to play in this game. Uh, Jalen Ramsey and his miracle back. Play? Oh yeah. All right. Oh, his back. His yeah. back got a lot his, better. His, yeah, yeah, yeah. Field Yates at Field <laughs> Yates said right when the trade happened, Jalen Ramsey is about to have the fastest healing back of all time, and that's exactly what happened. There was a there was a nice actually. People should check it out. They have a video of Jalen Ramsey and Sean McVay meeting for the first time, and so they're they're filming it from the door, and McVay's sitting at his desk, and Ramsey walks in, McVay gets up, and they're both so happy, and they go. And they do the, you know, where you kind of give the guy five and you like pull him in for the hug handshake thing. And uh, they just get the best pop ever. It's just like crack. It's just like perfect. And it's just like, oh, yeah, this is a match made in heaven here. So I'm sure uh, Wade Phillips can't wait to get his hand hands on him, too. Um, Jalen Ramsey never listed the Rams as a destination, but he is excited to be reunited with former third overall pick Dante Fowler Jr. And so I, I think this is going to energize the Rams. I think the Rams walk away with this one because the main weakness is their O-line. And when you face a team with no pass rush, Jared Goff is going to look like the best he's looked, you know, like 2018 Jared Goff. I'm looking forward to this game. I think the Rams kick the crap out of them. Ramsey isn't excited to reunite with Blake Bortles. <laughs> Maybe that too. Oh Maybe man, that too. Jacksonville hey, West. You know, before Tom Brady, or even before, let's go a little bit, a little bit even uh, back in the future from there. Since Belichick has come into Boston and taken over as the head coach and god of the New England Patriots, this next game used to be the this used to be the marquee game in the AFC East. Mm -hmm. Miami had Miami. They, there were great Miami teams that always clashed with good Buffalo teams going back to Joe Ferguson uh, and that running back. And uh, he'll just remain that running back um, and a good defense and an offensive line called the Electric Company. Uh, and then, of course, the Dolphins had their, their. But prior to Belichick coming in and just dominating the AFC East, this was the Miami Buffalo game was probably the marquee matchup in the AFC East. Um, Dan Marino, Jim Kelly. I mean, there's a lot of Thurman Thomas. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of memorable names besides that running back that should be still in jail. Um, Buffalo comes in with this one as 17-point favorites. The game is in Buffalo. Um, Buffalo wins this game straight up. I'm wondering if this is the time, and this is why I did this. Ryan Fitzpatrick comes back this week as the starter, and I just wonder if... This is the one week that at least the Dolphins stay within the point spread, and that's what I'm betting on this week. I know it's in Buffalo. I know everything says blowout. I get that. I like Buffalo. 
Um, but I just think Miami has a fighting chance or a better fighting chance. And that's sad to say of just covering the spread. If Ryan Fitzpatrick is the quarterback instead of your buddy from out of UCLA. So for that reason alone, I don't look as deeply as intently and I don't do as not enough, uh, the okay. same kind of intense study that Chris does. I more go gut feeling. And I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is good enough to keep it within 17. That's what I'm betting on. Well, I'm going to take the bills both ways, but I appreciate there's a point to be made for the Dolphins staying in uh, within this huge number, especially since the bills have barely scored more than 17 in a number of games this year. So I appreciate that, but at home with the crowd and with that defense, I don't care who it is. Like Tom Brady had a hell of a time. Right, absolutely. I mean, Tom Brady, in terms of his offense, put up single digits. You know what you always tell me? And I'm starting to listen. Well, I've been listening to you for a long time, but I got to go out on a wing sometimes. Got to go out and shake shit up a little bit. That's what I'm doing here. That's because fair. Hey. Miami has nothing to play for. They had their chance to win a game last mm-hmm. week against Washington at home, and they mucked it up. Hey, any well, there's a conspiracy theory that they were oh, told to yeah. drop the pass on purpose. Right, sure. Okay. Anyway. There, there isn't anybody left on the team smart enough to spell conspiracy down there in Florida anymore. So that's well, why they're, I'm... they're all from the SEC, probably. <laughs> 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 Moving right along. Um... Oh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, the Bills, uh, I, the, the, the thing is that if Tom Brady can only score single digits, Ryan Fitzpatrick at his best lights up teams and no one, no one lights up the Buffalo Bills. And uh, at his worst is the ultimate turnover machine. He could throw five picks. We could see Nathan Peterman reborn this week here, I think. So there's a case to be made for Miami staying within the points. But uh, I got to take Buffalo both ways. I just have to. Jacksonville at Cincinnati is where we're going next. And I'm almost putting Cincinnati in the same boat, but... I think Cincinnati still tries. I don't. I, I think that's Zach Taylor. I think that's his name. Yeah, he seems like he a seems to be doing a, as good a job yeah. as possible. Yeah, He's got nothing to work him. with. I got. I feel bad for him. I do too. Yeah, Welcome like to the guy. NFL. He's got guy. one of thirty-two jobs. Yeah. He's yeah. got to feel good about that. Yeah. He's got to feel good about that. That's about it. Um, Jacksonville comes in, visits Cincinnati. Jacksonville four and a half. I like Gardner Minshew the second, the porn star from Washington State, and places. Well, I don't know where he's from in some instances, but he's good enough, and that Jacksonville team is good enough to cover and win both ways for me. Yeah, they are for me too. I thought about giving Cincy a chance because at times they've played hard, but they just don't have much to work with. And the few names they do have are, especially on defense, are pretty much all out this week. They're going to be missing their top two corners. They're going to be missing both. Uh, Carl Lawson and uh, their other big guy there. Um, I was forgetting. I can't help you, pal. I have no, no idea. It's okay. Uh, I'm surprised I got the coach right. No, it's okay. But basically, on top of how bad they've been, most of the guys they have that are decent are out this week. Mm-hmm. So it's just a it's just a complete debacle. Zach Taylor has nothing to work with. So I'm going to take Jacksonville both ways. Um, let's go to Minnesota, uh, Minnesota visiting Detroit. Excuse me, Ford Field in downtown Motown. Oh, that's nice. Um, Vikings come in as two-point fa- uh, two favorites, excuse me again. Um, Chris and I have mentioned many times Minnesota seems to be the Jekyll and Hyde of the NFL. One unbelievably good team at home, not so good on the road. Um, I said some nice things about Detroit. They're an improving football team. They're a couple of plays away from being 5-0. and And um, they would have had some real quality wins in there with Kansas City and Green Bay. 
that would have been really looking good. They're still in it at two, two and one. They're a good football team. Um, I think they, they this this is my upset of the week because I think Detroit comes out a little pissed off from what happened to them in Green Bay, what happened to them against Kansas City, and I think in the in the back of their minds they're thinking about exactly what Chris said earlier. They they should be, or very easily could be five and zero, oh. and for that reason only, it's uh, and the main reason. That's my upset of the week. I'm taking the Lions both ways. I usually try to have a different upset of the week than you, but I've got to go with the same one here. Got to. Uh, all in on Detroit this week. Like you said, they could easily be 5-0 and right now. And this line started off with them at home as one or two-point favorites. It's now Minnesota one or two-point favorites. Right. We're wondering if they're going to get to three, which would be crazy. But, uh, you know, it, it's based on Minnesota doing well the last two games against terrible defenses. And Minnesota clearly is a way better team at home. It's not even close. Now they're going on the road to a really underrated, tough team who's coming off a, a loss where they're going to be pissed off and feeling like they got ripped off, whereas Minnesota's coming off two wins and could be a bit lackadaisical. It's, this is just Detroit, Detroit, Detroit all the way. This is a great example of where I believe the public has it absolutely wrong. Well, I, I just saw too much, and I do have to say this about Detroit. Number 40, the middle linebacker. Davis. Unbelievable motor. I watched him a lot on Monday night because he was in on every defensive play. He was an out, unbelievably intense motor that never stopped. Uh, captain of their defense. Did a nice job. Um, I was really impressed with him. Uh, maybe a little bit sometimes overboard with his enthusiasm, but he's the defensive leader, and I was impressed with him. I, I, had, to, you I know, had to say that. You know, that, that's cool. You know who really stood out for me on the Lions defense was... Uh, Justin Coleman, the slot corner. Oh yeah, he was all over the place, and I love how that. And he was—I'm sorry, but he was even hanging on Alan Lazard, and he mm-hmm. made some catches. So I mean, the, the coverage was there. Well, yeah, there were a couple of throws that Rodgers made in that game that were that were vintage Aaron Rodgers. They they really were, and but I mean that's another reason for this week to really like the Lions because uh, Thielen plays out of the slot a lot of the time, and so I, if uh, Coleman is one of the few guys who looks like maybe he could even slow him down a bit. Let's go on to uh, Houston at Indianapolis. Indianapolis minus one as the favorite in this game. Um, I love Deshaun Watson, and I I love his game. And you know, J.J. Watt always gets kind things said about him out of my mouth because he's from the Milwaukee, Wisconsin area and the University of Wisconsin. Plus, he's a hell of a good football player. But for some reason in my mind, I just think Indianapolis at home, if this game was in Houston, I'd have a different feel. The one number didn't do much for me either way, confidence either way. So it's, with a one to me, it's you pick one or the other and live with it. And uh, I'm going with the homestanding Colts both ways. Yeah, this was one of the easiest picks of the week for me, and I agree with you, Colts both ways. You have a really smart coach with two weeks to prepare against a really dumb coach <laughs> with one week to prepare and the favorites at home. And I mean, for... Uh, for my bets, I love going against the public. And this is a great example of where I think if people have to come up with the upset, they're going to look at Houston, who's done well lately. But they've been playing teams with a number of issues. Now they have to go. They have to play against a team with maybe the best O-line in the league that's well-rested. They're getting Darius Leonard back, who's amazing. Who That is just going to be huge for them. They almost got Malik Hooker back this week, too. And on top of all that, T.Y. Hilton never does better than when he plays the Houston Texans. Every time he plays the Texans, he lights them up. And he's going to be looking forward to that. And it sounds like 
the uh, main starters, the secondary, the top two corners, and the safety in the Texans are all questionable this week. Might not even play. So I'm looking for a big week from T.Y. Hilton. I love the Colts this week. Let's go on to, as uh, we uh, say hello in this 408th episode of Unscripted, as we're going through our week number seven in the National Football League picks, just the Sunday and Monday night game. Um, We both screwed up um, and forgot about Thursday night this week, and I think that's just kind of the way the Denver Broncos wished that Thursday night would have gone, and we just could have forget about it. It was it was a pathetic performance. Well, as our Denver. as our uh, buddy Walter from WalterFootball.com said on Twitter, he said Joe Flacco is so bad that he can't even get garbage time yardage, yeah. like at home against the Chiefs, yeah. who are banged up. Like it was just what what worse i that was one of the worst performances i've ever seen it was pathetic he looked like he didn't want to live never mind play football he joe flacco to me has zero mobility at all but the thing that for that whole game he was always the second best quarterback on the field and that includes most of the game <laughs> sharing the field with matt moore yeah matt moore was better than joe oh. flacco and what does that say to the tooth mr quarterback cannot develop a quarterback on his own. He can't even, except for wooing Peyton Manning to Denver with a lot of money. And uh, knowing that Andrew Luck was going to be taken over in Indianapolis. So Peyton Manning had to find a place to play and Tooth provided him the opportunity to do so. Tooth still cannot trade for or develop a quarterback of his own. Oh, yeah. That's that's, terrible. That's well-established. That's Well, absolutely. But now... Is Tooth in trouble? That's what I want to talk about well, later. he should be. I think so. Um, this next one was a tough one for me for a lot of reasons, and I won't go through all of them, uh, but Arizona at the New York Giants. I know Giants get uh, Barkley back, which is huge. And obviously. Evan Ingram. And Ingram back, which will certainly help Mr. Jones behind the, behind center, no question. Arizona is, I <clears throat> pains me to say this, but they're playing better than I thought they would. I'm never, I'll never be a Kingsbury fan, and Murray has acquitted himself well as the first overall pick with only 13 collegiate starts under his belt. A lot better than another guy that had 13 belts and uh, 13 starts under his belt, Trubisky. You'd take Kyler Murray over Mitchell Trubisky in a New York second. Giants come into this one at home as three-point home favorites. I'm taking the Giants straight up and the Cardinals against the spread. I thought about the same thing, and these teams are so similar that that's probably a good way to go, but I'm just going to narrowly take the Giants both ways. This is maybe the hardest game of the week. They're Mm -hmm. so similar, but there's only one team that's given up uh, more, well, that's given up the most uh, passing touchdowns in the league, more than Atlanta, more than even Miami, and that's the Arizona Cardinals. And uh, I mean, the Giants don't have a secondary to talk about either, but the Cardinals are so bad against passing touchdowns and they're the worst against tight ends as well, which with Engram back is amazing. They do get Patrick Peterson back, which yes. is helpful, yep. but Saquon's back. It's so such similar teams, rookie quarterbacks, Saquon versus David Johnson. I mean, so similar, but I'm just going to kind of go with the Giants here. I think they're at home and I could see a big game for them here. Let's continue and going to... The, the uh, Welcome Home Kyle Shanahan Bowl. Can you think about as Washington's transitions to their next football coach? And we've said this before, but it just blows my mind that through the Jay Gruden era, they had guys like Kyle Shanahan, uh, Mr. McVay, Sean McVay, and Matt LaFleur all on the staff in Washington in and around the same time 
some intertwined together. Shanahan and um, our coach McVeigh or Mc uh, whatever the fuck McFleur or McChicken <laughs> or whatever his name is. Um, Matt Lafleur were on the staff at the same time in Washington. I mean, just think all the great head coaching candidates that have been there and the Redskins struck out and missed on every one of them. Um, that shows you why a guy needs to have and give total football autonomy to a football guy. Daniel Snyder doesn't know the right end of a football, never has. Where did he make his money? I don't know. Probably stole it. I don't know. <laughs> I'll look it up. I didn't remember. I, I don't remember. Probably investment banking. But it sure as hell wasn't in the operations of a football organization. Anyway, San Francisco at Washington. San Francisco comes in as 10-point favorites. San Francisco's defense is on par, folks, I believe, with the Chicago Bears. I think they're an amazing front seven. Um I really think things are really looking rosy in the Bay Area for the 49ers, and this game will be nothing but a walk in the park. I have the 49ers, again, 10-point favorites on the road. This game is all is already over, and uh, I believe that it'll be a big win for the 49ers. Um, I don't see anything stopping them this week. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It should be a massive blowout there. That's a pretty easy one. I'm just looking at Snyder here. So it looks like uh, he and his sister really worked hard to... Bonnie into... and Clyde? Yeah. <laughs> well, they got into wallboard advertising and really like maxed out their credit cards and did the whole entrepreneur thing all the way. Yeah. So it looks like a nice story, to be honest with you. And so then he, in the end, he was the founder of Snyder Communications and primary investor in Red Zebra Broadcasting, which is home to the Redskins Radio on ESPN now. Um but yeah, it looks like something with all that looks like he's done a number of entrepreneurial things. So, I mean, if you looked at this and didn't know the guy, you'd think, wow, good for him. That's sure, a nice story. Absolutely. But yeah, the guy's been really, really something else. But he's so. been subpar as an owner in one of the flagship organizations in the NFL. Well, you would know, I mean, people, modern fans who haven't been around for that long. And really, that basically includes me. Uh, I mean, I've heard of. You know how they used to be good back in the day and they're in the NFC East with all those longtime rivalries. And I know they made some Super Bowls, even won. They won a like, bunch uh, of Super Bowls, Super especially Bowls. when Joe Gibbs was the coach the first time. And it's hard, but it's hard to be like to me. I just see, see the Redskins logo and the colors and everything. And I think of the Browns or the Bengals at their worst. And that's all I think of. I, I, yeah, I in my lifetime at least paying attention to the NFL. I don't have any experience with the Redskins ever being good since and you can see why. I mean, uh, the last time the the Redskins had long sustained success, Joe Kibbs was the coach in the late '80s, early '90s, and uh, in the '80s was a good decade for the Redskins organization. They won a Super Bowl uh, in '82, '83, somewhere in there against the Miami Dolphins with Joe Theismann at quarterback. They were in the Super Bowl the next year, but got their ass kicked by the then Los Angeles Raiders in 1984. I don't remember what Roman numeral number that was. I don't really care, but. Since that time, the Redskins have been just irrelevant. And it's really kind of sad. And it doesn't seem to be getting any better. Let's see who's... I mean, you've got it. If you're a Redskins fan, and a legitimate Redskins fan, and you haven't run out of patience, this might be, and it's, it may be overstating it a little bit, but I don't think so. This potentially could be the most important coaching hire this franchise ever made. Because they just can't seem to get it right. Um, another team that's really in, is in free fall right now, the LA Chargers. I mean, here's a team that a lot of people, me included, have not only in the playoffs, but in a potential, at the beginning of the season, a potential threat to the New England Patriots. 
especially if they got a couple of games in that band box out there in 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 Carson in the ghetto. Um, but the Chargers keep a free fall into the basement of the AFC West. They're in Tennessee this weekend. Tennessee comes in as 2.5 favorites. They have a new quarterback in Tennessee. Uh, Ryan Tannehill takes over from uh, Marcus Mariota. Um, too many problems in L.A. Not enough time to figure them all out. It was really, I thought, something last week when the Charger, excuse me, the Steelers came in to that band box, uh, kicked their ass, and the Steelers are playing, or somebody in the L.A. in that band box is playing the theme song or something for the Steelers in their home, in the Chargers' home park, and the Chargers were worried about that. Chargers should be worried about bigger things than who's playing what music in their stadium. They suck. They're not playing well, and I have the Titans both ways. Well, I got to tell you about the Titans here. So th- this is tough. Uh, because So last week, uh, you and I are both doing pretty well. You were uh, ten and four straight up, seven seven against the spread, very respectable. I had a great week. I went twelve and two, both straight up and against the spread. Holy crap! And if I would have taken the Jets, you know, I told you I was feeling bad about yeah. not taking the Jets. I would have been thirteen and one, really. So that was a tough one, but way tougher than that. So our buddy Greg and I, we had our ticket this week. We had our tickets this week, right? And we needed the Rams and the Titans to win. And actually, on that ticket, we. We were actually going to have the Niners, and we had the Rams the last second, but we needed the Rams and Titans to win. If the Rams and Titans would have won last week, Greg and I would have won $67,000. <laughs> like, it's it's getting so ridiculous. Like, we have made some... We took we took the Jets outright on every ticket. We oh made we, we were ready for the Steelers on every ticket. Like, we, we made brilliant picks and got nothing for it, but, I mean, we were ready for big money. And the Titans didn't show up at all. And... It, it first of all shows how bad the Atlanta Falcons are because Marcus Mariota looked like Joe Montana playing against them. Right. Then he goes and plays the underperforming Denver Broncos, yeah, and they get zero. And now because of that, this week it's it's hard again because you've got a team that I don't know if I can trust, and you're playing Ryan Tannehill, <laughs> who has been like my Blake Bortles, Josh Rosen type whipping boy to me, and this game is just brutal. And I love the Chargers, but yeah, they suck. But uh, Russell Okun could be back. That would help. So I'm pretty much forced to take Tennessee outright and the Chargers against the spread, even though it's close. Although I can make a case for even with a two and a half point spread doing that, which is both these teams can't trust their kicking. And so, and they, I could see it being a really low scoring game. So when you combine a low scoring game with someone missing a last second field goal, that is a recipe to keep the game between one or two points. So I could actually see that happening, but I at least want to get one of them right here. So it's, uh, but uh, yeah, Tennessee, man, you really let us down. That was a that was a tough one last week. Yeah, yeah, I'd say. Um, let's continue. Uh, Soldier Field in Chicago. Bears coming off a bye week. Uh, this really would have been fun if you had Drew Brees in this game. Mm-hmm. If the New Orleans Saints visit the Windy City. Um, as it is, you have the return. It looks like to me, from what I'm seeing, the return of Mitchell Trubisky. So that's yeah. why I have the Saints at least within the points. Um, New Orleans has an unbelievable way of sticking in a football game. They grind as well as anybody in the NFL. I really believe that. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater is the ultimate game manager. He's just keeping the seat warm until Drew Brees can get back on the field, which I think should be shortly. Everything I'm seeing is he's way ahead of schedule. Um, with his money, he should be able to hire the best money can buy. 
and send the bill to Mrs. Benson. Um, Chicago is three and a half point favorites. Uh, I have the Bears straight up because their defense, I still think, is. But I'm telling you, folks, the 49er defense is freaking awesome too. Any ask anybody that's been playing them lately. You get them on national TV in front of a national TV audience. You get you get recognized. I I rec- and have recognized the Bears defense, but that 49ers defense, holy crap! Um, but the Bears defense, obviously, still formidable. Weather can always be a can always be a factor in the Midwest at this time of the year. But the Saints have an unbelievable ability, as I just said, to grind. And for that reason, I'm taking the Saints against the spread. Yeah, I've got the same picks as you do for this game, uh, Chicago. I should have all your same picks when you're going 12 and 1. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Like, ditto. Ditto. Oh, man. So against the spread, not including the two ties, which are ties are automatic. You can't do anything about those. So the last two weeks against the spread, and remember how bad you and I both started. Like I was like 2 and 13 the first week or whatever. Um, in the last two weeks against the spread, I am 23 and 4. Which is pretty that, tough to compete with that. That's got that's got to be my best uh, my best run ever. Well, you, I mean, we're pretty close. We're within two of each other straight up, and I guess within six now against the spread. But um, no, you're you're actually doing quite well, especially since we both had a disastrous week one. But uh, yeah, I've got the same picks as you in this game. If I could give someone any bit of fantasy advice this week, do not start Allen Robinson because. If there is one corner you do not want to play in the league, in real life or in fantasy, it's Marshawn Lattimore. And I know with the Saints, I know they're undefeated with Teddy Bridgewater, but you've got no Drew Brees, no Alvin Kamara this week as well, and no Jared Cook, which is brutal. So again, especially on the road against that that tough defense. Now, Mitchell Trubisky could think, I'm just going to throw to Allen Robinson like I always do and throw three picks in the first <laughs> quarter. So you don't know. This game is so unpredictable. It's so brutal. I mean, I don't like. I don't even know how to analyze it. Really, it's so hard. So that's why I'm doing the same thing as you. Same thing as the last game. Uh, favorite straight up and the underdog against the spread. But let's look at these last few opponents of the New Orleans Saints. They have faced uh, Jacksonville. So Martian Lattimore in the last few games completely shut down DJ Chark. Had like three short catches. Erased Mike Evans for zero fantasy points, which is just unfathomable. Uh, completely shut down Amari Cooper. Like, just no matter who you put this against this guy, he's amazing. The best corner in the league is either Marshawn Lattimore or Stefan Gilmer right now. Those two, you just can't even do anything against them. Don't throw at them at all. And if Trubisky isn't smart enough to figure that out, and he might not be, then uh, then this game's going to go to New Orleans. And I, I hate to not take New Orleans outright, uh, especially if Chicago couldn't even beat stupid Oakland. But uh, I got to hedge my bets here. This game is brutal to analyze. Well, uh, let's continue and go to Seattle. The Seahawks coming off their come-from-behind win in Cleveland. Um, We've got the Earl Thomas reunion bowl. That's what we'll call it. I hope he gives Pete Carroll the finger again. So do I. I really do. (laughs) Right? Yeah, right as they're going to... Yeah, right as they're lining up for that first play, just give them Mm -hmm. the middle finger salute right from your Mm -hmm. free safety position. And uh, Pete will recognize it, no question. Baltimore is, again, visiting Seattle. Seattle is uh, three-point home favorites. Um, I, I, this, was, this was kind of a tough one for me. I think that Earl Thomas is going to have that uh, Baltimore defense as pumped up as they're going to be all season long. He's going to know what the Seattle Seahawks and Russell Wilson are going to be doing in every formation. 
Um, they will be hopefully as prepared. If you're a Ravens fan, they will be defensively as prepared as they're going to be all year long to face an opponent. And I, and I believe that to be even including divisional opponents because Earl Thomas has been a quarterback of that Seattle defense for years. And he's going to pass that knowledge on to his defensive mates in Baltimore this week. And for that reason, obviously Seattle's a tough place to play. Russell Wilson is playing it at MPP level, yada, yada, yada. But Seattle, excuse me, Seattle, easy, easy for me to say. And I don't even drink coffee. Um, I have the Seahawks winning straight up, but I have the Ravens against the spread. I'm going to take the Seahawks both ways. Both teams are massively overrated and both... Uh, especially have overrated defenses because of how they were years ago. Neither one is, has an impressive defense right now, as far as I'm concerned. But I just don't see Russell Wilson being stopped. With Mahomes' injury, Wilson is now the easy front runner for MVP. And I just I don't see him losing this game. I'm trying to picture it, and I can't picture the Seahawks blowing this and losing this game. Good points about Earl Thomas notwithstanding here. I, I just think Wilson's going to take them to victory. I just don't see them losing. Um, let's go to the uh, Sunday night game. And uh, I love when coaches come out and say, we are going to win. Yeah. I love it. Doug Peterson. Why the hell not? You got nothing to lose. Um, the way Dallas is playing, uh, last, you know, it's again, they're still playing for that cupcake early schedule where everybody had them going to the Super Bowl, and then they play legitimate NFC playoff contenders and, and I don't even think the New York Jets are an AFC playoff contender yet. I mean, they've got time, but let's, you know, um, they're going to be better this week, and we'll talk about the Jets next. But um, that surprised the shit out of me. I thought if there was a game that Dallas would get their stuff together, it would be after the last two performances against New Orleans and Green Bay that they would be all ready to take on the Jets without C.J. Mosley. C.J. Mosley is an important part of oh, that yeah, team, folks. Oh, um, I like the bravado of the head coach of the Eagles. I don't like the Dallas Cowboys ever, but I don't like the way they're playing right now. Um, Dallas comes in as a two and a half point favorite, but I see the couple years ago, Super Bowl champion. I don't even know what number it is, but the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles of two seasons ago, I have them winning this game straight up and against the spread. Yeah, I've got them in the upset both ways, too. But there's a million injuries on both sides. There's oh, yeah. So, well, for sure. So many variables. But see, right there, I'm sorry, again, I, I shouldn't do this. But again, Doug Peterson, I think, is a better football coach than Jason Garrett. And Doug Peterson will make the adjustments with, without a full player list, whereas I don't think Jason Garrett is that talented. Well, yeah, I mean, I agree that Doug Peterson is a better coach than Jason Garrett. And by Doug Peterson, I mean any schmuck off the street. <laughs> anyway, I love yeah, that caveat there. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But I mean, I do love Doug Peterson, too. He is a very good coach. But uh, look, this is just uh, it's, there's too many variables. Again, there's, you're seeing this a lot this week. There's so many variables, so many injuries in this game. It's really tough to pick. But I do believe Doug Peterson. And I actually get the feeling he sees something or knows something that he's not sharing, where he's just convinced he knows exactly how to scheme against them, how to beat them. Not that that's been hard lately. <laughs> uh, you know, well, I mean, sorry. I mean, you, you had, uh, the, uh, I, I saw this line. I don't want to take, I didn't want to take credit for this line, but, uh, you know, the, uh, the Cowboys just found out what it's like to go mono a mono with Sam Darnold. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, there you that's go. But good. Anyway, and they lost and, uh, yeah, that was we were ready for that one, so that was good. But uh, you know, the Jets—I I feel bad. The Jets with Darnold and Mosley are a good team, and uh, we said that in the preseason. And I hope we get a chance to see that. The Jets have a very 
fortuitous schedule coming up as well. So we could see them really go on a nice run here with Donald and Mosley, who are both uh, back this week. Of course, Donald was back last week. So yeah, Philly both ways. And uh, let's go on to the Jets and the Patriots here. The Jets and Patriots, that fortuitous schedule must start after week number seven for the New York Jets. At least this fortuitous opportunity is at home. Uh, But they're taking on the New England Patriots. New England comes in as 10-point favorites. Um, Everybody knows the Patriots' strengths and weaknesses. Um, They don't have many weaknesses. Uh, I I do think, though, for some reason, I, I learned something about the Jets last week. They seem to be responding to their new coach. Um, they obviously had, it was great to get the quarterback back, but I think more importantly for them, their defensive quarterback is this week, as I mentioned earlier with CJ Mosley. Um, I have the Patriots winning this one straight up as 10 point favorites, but I have the jets, uh, against the spread. Yeah, I'm doing the same thing. So let's go with this. So, okay. So next week they're playing, they're going at Jacksonville. Do you, would you say that Jacksonville is a fairly easy opponent or would you average well wouldn't you think in jacksonville jacksonville would be home point three point favorites probably okay so let's let's just say that obviously new england's a tough opponent let's just not even include let's say jacksonville's kind of tougher yeah okay so then after that it's week nine so we've got one two three four five six and you could go more than this but even if we just take the next six weeks after that listen to this schedule of who they're playing for six weeks in a row miami giants redskins raiders Bengals, Dolphins again. Oh my God! The, you, you the can't Raiders. The Raiders is the toughest game in that yeah. bunch. You you literally couldn't design you couldn't have done, a tougher design schedule, a, 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 easier, a, a easier schedule, schedule yeah. for that six week span. And then after that, they play Baltimore, who's overrated. They play Pittsburgh, who might not have any guys left to be on the field. They may have, they may have quit by then. Yeah, and then week seventeen, they do have to go uh, at Buffalo, which is a tough one. But um, look, they're one and four right now. Uh, in a few weeks, they could easily be 500. Yeah, right, absolutely, it's, it's right. And and I think they would have really been. They, well, and they, if they oh. don't lose CJ Mosley, they win week one. Yeah, and and then if they don't lose Darnold, they win some of theirs too. So yeah, just those two guys healthy. I mean, you're you're looking at I think a 10 and 6 team easily, and I feel really bad for the for the Jets. But uh, yeah, I who knows? I'm gonna hold out hope they can pull off the miraculous victory on Monday. I'll be cheering hard for them. Be nice to see. What they can do against uh, the Patriots. They are at home. So uh, looking forward to that game. We've got a run on this 408th episode of Unscripted. Uh, we will get together. We've got the rest of our weekly regular shows to do this week, plus an edition of Freeform Friday. So a lot to get to. Uh, we thank all of you for participating and hope that you certainly continue to do so. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.